Thank you, moms. Where would we be without moms? Amen. I heard on the radio this week, I don't know if it was, uh, it was for real, it sounded like it, it was Bob and Shogran, local radio station here. They said that the, um, they did a study and they projected the annual income that it should be for a mom. <laughs> annual income, here it is, you ready for this? $71,297 should be the income for a stay-at-home mom, or I think maybe a working mom or whatever, that should be, for all that moms do, I'm talking about things like changing diapers or going grocery shopping. Guys, I know we do some of that too, but let's just give the moms their due. Hey, do you guys think that's too high? Do y'all think that's too low? Oh yeah? Or right, how many of you think that's just about right? 71270 $9. Anyway, moms, we love you. We have some of the best moms on the planet here at New Hope Church. And I just want you to know that I'm always sensitive and aware of the fact that for some women, it's a, it's a tough day. It's a delicate day. It's a tender day. They can't have children. And uh, man, I never want to make light of that and um, want to just, just acknowledge that. But I have come to believe, the best of my ability, the best I can discern, all of us came from a mama. If you didn't come from a mama, raise your hand. Now, 30 years from now, that might change. But for now, all of you came from a mama so we can all celebrate Mama's Day. And mamas, we love you. We thank you for who you are. I just want to go ahead and acknowledge right now in this very moment that my iPad has 6% battery left. If it dies, it dies. But if you're a prayer warrior, would you pray that this 6% just turned to 5%? Will actually, will actually get us through the end of this message? Take out your teaching notes. We got some important things to cover today. I want to let you know that the assassin that we're talking about today, if you're new, we're in a series called Assassins, they'll take you out. Assassins, they'll take you out. And we're talking about some of the deadly emotional assassins that tend to wreak havoc on the life of a believer. And I just want to let you know on the front end, before I even tell you what assassin that I'm talking about today, the one that we're talking about today is one of the deadliest of the assassins. It kind of goes subterranean. It, it kind of goes deep, but it is so powerful. It is so toxic. I've actually seen this assassin tear neighborhoods apart as neighbors start bickering with one another. I have seen it cause people to lose their joy in the workplace because someone else got a promotion that I or you didn't get. I've actually seen, listen, because you, you people put pastors, pastors way too far up on a pedestal. Let me tell you something. I've seen this assassin take pastors and church staffs out of the eternal game of ministry. That's how powerful this assassin is. I have seen it cause women and men to not even enjoy themselves at a dinner party because there was some knockdown gorgeous person in the room. I'm talking about the assassin of envy. What is it? Envy. 
Now, if we're really gonna attack envy today, I want us to actually realize that we need to, we need to debunk some myths. How many of you have ever seen that show on television, Mythbusters? I kind of like it. I've watched it from time to time. It's pretty good. Mythbusters. I want to bust some myths that we have around this subject of envy. And it's really not me busting them. It's God's word. It's the wisest person ever to live, a human that is. And his name is Solomon. Here's myth number one. And maybe you believe this sometimes. When I have more stuff like them, I'll be more happy. It's a myth. Here's the truth, again, not from Benji, but straight from God's word. Here's the truth. Those who love money will never have enough. How absurd to think that wealth brings true happiness. Ecclesiastes 5.10. Myth number two. When I have more stuff like them, I'll be more important. Here's the truth. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Do you know about that? Right? So what is the advantage of wealth except perhaps to watch it run through your fingers? Myth number three, when I have stuff like them, I'll be more secure. Truth. Straight from God's word, Ecclesiastes 5.12. People who work hard sleep well. Praise God for all the hard workers on the planet. America needs more hard workers. Right? People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much, but the rich are always worrying and seldom get a good night's sleep. Amen. So it's not about more stuff. And that's the lie that we start to believe. But not only are those myths important in the truth of God's word debunking them, it's not only about the, the stuff, it's the like them. That's where envy is born. Now, I'm gonna, this is going to convict some of you today because as I think about envy, this is a major epidemic in our postmodern Western world that we live in. Now, all of the other fatal distractions or assassins that we've looked at thus far, we're only in week three of this series, but maybe you've noticed this. All the other fatal distractions have an opposite virtue. Envy doesn't have an opposite virtue. It sets it apart from all the other assassins. Let me give you some examples. The opposite of pride is what? Humility, opposite virtue. The opposite of anger is forgiving love, opposite virtue. The opposite of gluttony is what? Self-control, exactly. There is no opposite virtue to envy. Envy, by comparison, is opposed to all virtues. It defies everything it contacts. It desires that no good thing happen to anyone else. Hello. Be owned by anyone else or be in relationship to anything else. Envy is against those things that might be considered a blessing if that blessing is being received by someone else. Hello. You can't stand it that someone else got the good deal at the store and you had to pay full price. <laughs> Hello. You can't stand it that someone gets invited to the party and you didn't. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Is there anybody here who hasn't looked on social media and saw a gathering or a party? And you're thinking to yourself, I didn't get invited, right? It eats you up. 
that someone else's kid, come on moms and dads, that someone else's kid made the all-star team, but yours didn't. You can't stand it that someone else has leather interior in their car and you got a lawnmower motor up under your hood, right? <laughs> you see, envy is different than all the other assassins. It's subtle, it's subterranean, but it is one of the most destructive assassins that we have to learn how to deal with. You see, envy is different in many ways. Nearly all the other assassins start out with some degree of pleasure. Have you noticed this? Some degree of pleasure. Gluttony. Oh, anybody struggle with gluttony up in here? Gluttony is fun in the moment, right? <laughs> Before it goes south into bad health, right? Anger is enjoyable. We're talking about anger next week. You don't want to miss it. Anger gives us a, a, a temporal sense of euphoria just by blowing off the steam, the explosion, but then you have to deal with the aftermath of the pain that it causes along the way. But envy is different. I'm telling you, envy starts out bad and it just stays bad the entire time. A few working definitions for you today. Take some notes here. Envy as a noun. This is what Webster says envy is. It's a feeling of discontented or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or luck. That's the noun. Here's the verb of envy. Desire to have a quality, a possession, or other desirable attribute belonging to someone else. I even found one dictionary that put it like this. Envy is an evil eye that lusts after the good things in other people's lives. Let me give you my definition. This is the best I could come up with. It's probably not as good as these, but here's what I, as I read the scriptures, I believe envy really is. It's resenting God's goodness in other people's lives while ignoring his goodness in mine. It's resenting God's goodness in other people's lives while ignoring God's goodness in mind. And have you ever noticed that envy, envy travels in arenas, if you will. In other words, we are typically only envious of those who are operating in the same arena as us. Let me, let me give you an example. Salespeople. Salespeople are not envious of musicians. What are they envious of? Other salespeople, right? A mother, come on, it's Mother's Day. Mothers aren't envious of professional athletes. Mothers are envious of other mothers. Coaches are envious of other coaches. And oh my Lord, again, pastors are envious of other pastors. Now there's gonna be a tendency in all of you today as we start to get into the scripture. You guys love the word of God? Because oh my Lord, we're gonna look at a lot of scripture today. You're gonna be surprised at how much the Bible speaks to this assassin of envy. And there's like, Dozens of other scriptures I could have given you, but I'm giving you a lot today. There's going to be this ten tendency, this temptation that wells up inside of you at some point in time today, and you're going to think this, you know what, pastor, is it really that big of a deal? It's just envy. And besides, pastor, envy, I use envy to stimulate me. Envy makes me hustle. Envy makes me go at it more. Come on, that, that's just the way it all works in our system. Now hear me. 
It might work like that in our system, but it does not work like that according to God's plan. God's word is crystal clear on this. Moreover, do you know that envy is listed in the Bible besides some of the ugliest sins we come across in the scriptures? Envy is listed right up there with deceit, right up there with drunkenness, right up there with orgies, right up there with hypocrisy, right up there with slander, stealing, and murder. It's listed right there with them. So what I want to do today is I want to give you some realities that happen in your life if envy goes unchecked, okay? If envy goes unchecked, it will have devastating effects. Again, I hope you got your teaching notes in your hand. Grab that pen. Hey, dude, don't be too cool to grab a pen and take some notes. We all need this. Number one, it ruins our health. Envy ruins our health. It is impossible to be a person consumed with the green monster of envy and be a healthy person. It's just impossible. Envy just keeps chipping away at your inner soul. When you are consumed with envy, you have no peace. When you are consumed with envy, you have no joy. When you are consumed with envy, you have no gratitude for the good life that God is trying to bring your way. Envy kills our ability to be a part of the party of life as it is intended. Envy causes your nerves to tighten up. Your body begins to fail. Headaches, backaches, knots in your stomach, hypertension escalates. Now, come on, come on. Like I always try to say, don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it out loud. Ready? Come on. All of our campuses, Monday night crowd. Come on. Here we go. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but see it, but envy rots the bones. Number two, we're going to move quickly. It revs up our RPMs. It revs up our RPMs. Come on, show of hands. Be honest. You're in church. How many of you are kind of competitive people? Come on, come on, come on. My hand's up. Heck, two of them. Boom. And there's nothing wrong with being a competitive person. But if you are a competitive person, you need to understand and you need to get control of this envy deal because it can cause problems in your life. Ecclesiastes 4.4, you read the last one so well. Here we go. Then I observed that most people are motivated to succeed by their envy of their neighbors. But this too is meaningless like chasing the wind. I'm telling you, when the competitive nature starts to kick in and you want to get ahead, if you're not careful, envy can eat your lunch and get the best of you. If you're not careful, you'll think, well, hey, their kid's in a soccer league, so my kid's going to be in two soccer leagues. <laughs> hey, they got a camera, Camry, so we're going to get an Avalon, right? Hey, they got a nicer house than ours, so we're going to upsize and get a bigger house. That competitive streak can be very, very dangerous for you. When I was at Asbury, um, before I started this church, I was, um, I, got, I was blessed with this thing called the Beeson Pastor Program, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But I studied a pastor from a century ago. Some of you who are theologians or you've read stuff or you're watching this online, um, you will recognize the name of Clovis Chapel. 
Clovis Chapel was a great pastor of a century ago. And Clovis Chapel used to tell the story of a Mississippi steamboat race going down the Mississippi River. Two, two steamboats started in Memphis and they were heading to New Orleans down the Mississippi. Now, some of you came for this today. Notice I said New Orleans, <laughs> not New Orleans. Just like Louisville is not Louisville, Charles Barkley. Just saying. Anyway, um, two, two steamboats are going down uh, the Mississippi River. Clovis Chapel's telling this story. And as they're going down the Mississippi River, one of the sailors look out across the, the bow and says to the other sailor, hey, what do you say we race to New Orleans? And the guy was competitive. He said, all right, let's go. And it was on. Now, one boat didn't have enough fuel for the race. They just had enough fuel to take it slow. And so they started to run out of fuel before they got to New Orleans. And one of the sailors, a competitive type, said, hey, we're gonna try something. And he went and he started throwing some precious cargo into the ovens. And lo and behold, the cargo burned as well as the fuel that they had for the steamboat. So they just started throwing all of their precious cargo into the massive ovens of the steamboat. They won the race, Chapel says but they burned all their precious cargo in the process. If you're not careful, envy will do the same to you. You might win, you might be at number one for a while. By the way, you will get knocked off sooner or later. You might win, but what will happen is if you're not careful, if you don't get envy under control, you will burn up some precious cargo along the way, like your family, like your soul, like your integrity. Envy will cause you to compromise all of those things. Here it is, number three, write it in. It ravages our relationships. Envy ravages our relationships. How many of you were here last week? Show of hands, show of hands. I got 4% on my battery, praise God. You must be praying. It ravages our relationships. Look at James 4, 1 and 2. James 4, 1 and 2. Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? That's a good question in our day and age. A lot of appalling wars and quarrels. Do you think that they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside of yourselves. Watch this. You lust for what you don't have and are willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. Again, show of hands. How many of you were here last week? Here last week? Y'all remember my good friend, Pastor Bro, taught? Do you remember what he taught on? Exactly. He taught on David and Goliath. Remember? Taught on David and Goliath. And he didn't say this in the text, but I thought about it as I sat right back there and listened to his message and took notes on it. I don't know if you realize this or not, but like King Saul was the tallest baddest, handsome man in Israel's land. He was the man. And yet, I don't know if you realize this, when King David went out and struck down the Philistine, i.e. Goliath, Saul was all about David. He was all in for David. Like He loved David. He was David's biggest fan. He invited David into the royal palace. He invited David into the royal family. But then, <laughs> then they start coming into the city. Maybe Maybe you'll remember this passage. Maybe you've read it before. Watch this. Watch what goes down. When the men were returning home, after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with tambourines and lutes. 
Watch this. And they, as they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his. Now you think no big deal, right? Keep reading. Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? Do you see the green monster seeping into his soul? Now watch this. And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Envy and jealousy are twin sins. They go hand in hand. Do you struggle with either of those? I mentioned that I was in the Beeson Pastor Program. So blessed, so fortunate. Uh, Ralph Waldo Beeson left $34 million to multiple schools, Sanford and Asbury Theological Seminary in Kentucky, and these schools function on just the interest alone. And so what Asbury did when Ralph Waldo Beeson left them $34 million, they set up this thing called the Beeson Pastor Program. You hear me talk about it from time to time. And uh, if, you, if you apply and you get accepted to it, all your tuition's paid, your books is paid, uh, they send you around the world literally every three weeks, we would jump on a plane, 22 Beeson pastors were in this with me, we would jump on a plane and we would travel around the world studying the best of the best churches. It was awesome. It just changed my life. It changed my vision, changed my view. It helped me craft the mission and the vision of New Hope Church. We went to places like, you might, you might recognize some of these names. We went to places like Willow Creek Community Church up in Chicago. And we studied for a week Bill Hybels at that church. Uh, we went down to Marietta, Georgia, outside of Atlanta. And we studied North Point Community Church and uh, Andy Stanley. We went out to California one trip and we studied Saddleback uh, with Rick Warren. We, every three weeks, we literally jumped on a plane and we studied all these churches. Then we jumped the little pond and we went to Hawaii. And we studied the New Hope Church in Hawaii led by uh, Dr. Wayne Cordero, that network of churches that's just taken over the Hawaiian Islands, a great movement of God. We went to Korea and we studied Kwam Lin, Pastor Kwam Lin and the Full Gospel Church, which is the largest church on the planet. We studied all of these churches. And I still vividly remember to this day of the 22 Beeson pastors that were there, 21, including me, 22. I still remember how most of the class they were genuinely able to lean in and learn from some of these unbelievable pastors all over the globe. But I still vividly remember their faces and even their names of about four or five of them who could not get beyond their envy of these pastors. They were so jealous. They couldn't learn from the best of the best. And I remember thinking that is so sad these guys are amazing. You need to be leaning. And they would criticize, you know, their church. They'd criticize their homes. Oh, they live in a big home. They'd criticize their cars. They'd criticize their staff. And I remember thinking, you guys don't even realize envy is all over you. And guess what? It still happens today. I get to talk with a lot of pastors, and maybe you're a pastor and you're watching this, but I get to talk with a lot of pastors. There are some great pastors in this area. And I see other pastors who are consumed with envy over these guys. 
such that when that pastor gets to a hard point, and by the way, we all go through hard times. Again, y'all put us on a pedestal that we don't deserve to be on. We put our pants on just like you. But I've heard pastors criticize Bill Hybels, who really was the founding pioneer of the contemporary church in the 80s. I've had pastors that I'm around in this area, some on this staff that have kind of moved on, criticized Bill Hybels. And then when Bill Hybels, unfortunately, took a fall, had a fall from grace, I've seen envy be so destructive that pastors gloat and celebrate their fall. What's up with that? I can tell you about pastors in this area of whom I know and I, I celebrate the way God is using them. Perry Noble, been on this stage. Perry Noble was the pastor of New Spring Church. I've seen pastors criticize him because they're so envious. And then unfortunately, this breaks my heart, Perry and Lucretia have separated, he and his wife. And pastors kind of gloat in that fallenness. Um, Stephen Furtick is a pastor of a church around here called Elevation. And, and, and he's leading a movement of God. And he bought a house over in Charlotte. And, it, and it's a big house. And the news media got a, uh, on it. And it became a, a national, even an international affair on the news. And I saw pastors start criticizing and gloating on the negative press that Furtick was giving. Not even taking into consideration, you don't know what's going on in his life. You don't know how much money he makes on books. Here's an idea. Why don't you celebrate what God is doing instead of letting envy eat your lunch? I look at these guys and I celebrate their churches. Listen, God didn't call me to be a Bill Hybels, a Perry Noble, a Stephen Furtick, a J.D. Greer, a Mike Lee. God called Benji to be Benji and lead New Hope Church. We must not look with lust. Listen, we must not look with lust on other people's blessings. Instead, come on, live your life, dear pastor, before an audience of one and enjoy his goodness in your life. I better keep going. I got 3% battery. It, it routes us down even more destructive paths. Envy it, envy it does. It routes us down even more destructive paths. Read it out loud, James 3, 16. You can put this one to memory. You know John 3, 16. How about memorize James 3, 16? For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. Do you see it? Envy will jack you up and make you live a very destructive life. It leads to lying, making myself look better than I actually am. It leads to gossip, trying to tear other people down so that I feel better about myself. It leads to slander, malice. Envy takes us down destructive paths. And I must admit to you, I didn't realize this until this week when I was studying this word in the scriptures, I don't know why I've missed this all these years. Do you know that envy is given in scripture as one of the things that led to the death of Jesus? You're like, what you talking about? Check it out. It was out of, out of what church? Envy that the chief priest had handed Jesus over. 
to him. Envy was at the root of it. So it ruins our health by way of review. It revs up our RPMs. It ravages our relationships. It routes us down even more destructive paths. Question, have you got enough bad news today? <laughs> do you need some good news? Because that's all bad. Do you need some good news? Do, do we have any Easter people in the house? Any people who know and understand that it is the power of the resurrected Jesus that is in you? And because the power of Christ lives in you, you can actually overcome the assassins in your life. Do we have any overcomers in the house today? That's enough of the bad news. That's enough of the devastating effects of envy in your life. Let's talk about overcoming the assassins of envy. Number one, write it in, fill in the blank. Resist comparisons. Resist what, church? If you compare yourself to others, two things, two things are going to happen. You'll either find someone that's better than you, and we all know what that's like, which leads to inferiority, which leads to envy, or you'll find someone that you're better than, <laughs> which will lead to what? Pride. Both are losing games. Listen, there will always be someone maybe not as good as you, and there'll always be someone better than you, to which some of you are thinking, you don't know me, buddy. I am gonna be top dog forever. <laughs> you are a joke. <laughs> Look at what Galatians says. I love this passage of scripture. Galatians 6, 4. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given. Watch this. This is so cool. And sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Do you see it? Man. And since it's Mother's Day, let me, let me talk to parents for just a moment. Moms, dads, if we're not careful, we'll start comparing our children to other children. We'll start comparing our children to the, to the kid across the street or the kid at school. Don't do that. Don't, what, what if you just started teaching your children that they are wonderfully made by God? Like, like wonderfully complex. Like that God formed them intricately in their mother's womb. Look at this, Psalm 139. Come on, out loud, go. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. Moms, dads, teach your children that they are gifts from God, made wonderfully, and that they don't have to, they don't have to be like another sibling. They don't have to be like the straight A student at the school. Y'all seen those bumper stickers? This is not in my notes. <laughs> Y'all love when I say that. Y'all seen those bumper stickers that say, my kid's a straight A student? <laughs> Have y'all seen that one that said, my kid beat up your straight A student? <laughs> now, I'm not endorsing that. I am not blessing that. I don't know where that came from, but don't compare your kid to a straight A student. Teach your kid to do the best she or he can with what they've been given. They are wonderfully, wonderfully complex. Respond to others in love. Write it in. Respond to others in love. It's the third, second way in which we overcome the assassin 
of envy. Without God's love in our lives, come on, you know this, we fall into three traps, and maybe you've never used this language before, but I, I wanna give you three languages. This is not in your teaching notes. You wanna jot this down. This is one of the ways in which you know you're struggling with envy or you can detect envy in someone else. I, I wanna call it plastic praise, mean motives, or condescending compliments. Plastic praise, mean motives, and condescending compliments. Maybe you're not that good at spotting envy in your own self. Like I said, it can be blinding, and maybe you are good, or maybe you're not that good at, at spotting envy in others. But if you really wanna see envy up close, here's an idea. Get together with a group of women and watch The Bachelor. <laughs> Pastor, you meddling now. You just need to move on. But here, here's what plastic praise looks like. And maybe you, maybe you engage in this or you've seen. Yeah, her hair does look good. But did you see her makeup? What, what is that? You are so right. She is a wonderful mother. But have you seen how messy her house is? That's plastic praise. Mean motives is one. Mean motives. Maybe, maybe you've heard this or, or maybe this will help you identify it in your own life. Yeah, he is pretty successful. He's a successful dude. But I bet he's out cheating on somebody somewhere on these traveling trips. What is that? That's mean motives. Someone said this to me recently. I about went Old Testament on them because they were talking about one of our vocalists. They said, she sure can't sing, but I bet she just likes the spotlight. You don't know our people on this stage. Some of the most humble, awesome, talented vocalists and instrumentalists on the planet serve on this stage. Here it is again, pastors. I'm coming at you today, pastors. Sure, their church is growing, but I bet they're soft-selling the gospel. They aren't deep enough at that big church. You have no idea what we're doing to disciple people. It's called mean motives, man. Here's condescending compliments. Condescending compliments. Man, Hawaii is the prettiest place I've ever been, some guy says. To which his friend says, yeah, I bet it is pretty nice, but it's not as nice as Barbados. <laughs> or, or, hey, you see my new car? Man, and your friend goes, oh, that's a beautiful new car. But I was just reading Consumer Digest and I heard it's not that safe of a car. <laughs> Dude, you are pathetic. Envy is all over you. Here, here, here's something. Envy makes us say stupid stuff like that. Envy makes us blind to our own jealousy and bitterness. Here's an idea. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Here's another great verse to take away from today. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and what? Envying each other. If you listen to the Holy Spirit and you let the Holy Spirit convict you and maybe cause you to confess envy today, not just confess it, but repent of it. And if you start to walk in step with the Holy Spirit around this subject of envy, 
you'll actually find that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll start to be able to say things like this. Listen, listen, listen. I'm really thrilled. I'm really thrilled you got that promotion. I'm so happy. I'm so happy that you're getting married. I'm so stoked your church is growing, man. It's so awesome you're seeing all those salvations and baptisms. Here's what I really love your home. And not for one second you start to think about you or your home. Did you just feel that? I got 2% left. <laughs> Rejoice in what you already have. Instead of thinking, this is how you overcome the assassin of envy. Instead of thinking, if I could just get a little more stuff, I'd be more grateful. Remember the words of Jesus. Check this out, come on. Beware, don't be greedy for what you don't have. Real life is not measured by how much we own. Don't be concerned about what others may be gaining while thinking all the time about what you're losing. Here's an idea. Start to count your own blessings and be grateful that he woke you up today and breathed into you the breath of life. Back to that original definition that I gave you earlier. Envy is what? It's resenting God's goodness in other people's lives while ignoring his goodness in mine. I'm talking about trying to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Oh, bring it on, brother. Bring it on. I'm talking about an attitude of gratitude. And if you'll get in the habit of counting your own blessings, if you would actually learn to want what you have, you'll always have what you want. And you won't be eaten up with envy and, and sabotaging the one life that God has given you. You won't let the sin of envy destroy your joy and your peace and your passion and your purpose in life. Richard Foster used to... <laughs> This is so good. Hey, if you're sitting here today and you're like, oh, dude, I am so convicted. And I need to develop a, a, an attitude of gratitude. Here's what Richard Foster used to encourage the people that he would mentor and disciple. He, he would encourage them to take their paycheck. You might wanna do this, seriously. I would love to think that some of you would do this. Next time you get paid, take your whole month's paycheck and go to the bank and cash your, cash your check and drive the clerk crazy and tell him you want it all in single dollar bills. That's what Richard Foster encouraged his people to do. And then he would encourage them to go home and take their entire paycheck. I know you're thinking about your number right now, whatever that is. Take your entire paycheck and spread it out in your house in single dollar bills all over the house. That will help you see that regardless of where we are, right? We can always measure up. Regardless of how we try to jockey and measure up and always try to be first. We are some of the most blessed people on the planet. We are some of the most blessed people on the planet. We live in America. Last thing, last thing. 
refocus on pleasing God. If you want to overcome the assassin of envy, focus on pleasing God. The apostle Paul, who was playing that people-pleasing game, remember, if you know the New Testament, until he had a head-on collision with Jesus. He said this, check it out. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He is the one who examines the motives of our hearts. If you really, really, really need to overcome some envy in your life, listen, listen, please hear me out and I'm done. Focus on living your life before an audience of one. Learn to live to not please others, but please God. If you struggle, come on, come on, let me just, let me just unpack this a little bit. If you struggle envying other people's homes, here's an idea. Go serve in a homeless shelter for a while. <laughs> And watch how your perspective changes. If you struggle with always thinking, man, if I had that body, <laughs> I'd be somebody. Why don't you go to a Jesus prom and hang out with some people who have special needs, mentally and physically. Go to a, go to a PICU unit at the hospital, pediatric ICU and and, and give some hours and get around children that are just dangling by a thread to have life. And your perspectives will change. And every now and again, I preach a message and while I'm preaching the message, there's happens to be a, 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 a ministry going on that is perfect for the message. I'm talking about Week of Hope. Week of Hope started yesterday. It goes all week long. Here, here's the idea of Week of Hope. As you're watching some of that B-roll footage, say this with me. Everyone, give one. Everyone, give one. And the concept is during this week every year, Week of Hope, we ask every new hoper, member, guest, regular attender, it doesn't matter. We ask you all to get out of your seats and go to the streets and serve the needy, serve the hungry, serve the homeless, serve children, just serve. And you watch what will happen as you start to hang out with those who are less fortunate. Envy will start to crumble and fade away in your life. And you'll start to see that you can love God and you can love others and you can be grateful with what you have. And as you start to be grateful for what you have and as you live into this full relationship with God, you live your life before an audience of one, then you start to position yourself to experience the favor and more blessings of God in your life. As long as you're wrapped up in envy, you'll never have it. And so here's what you do. You just text, week of hope, no spaces. Week of hope to 59769. You can pull your phones out in church. Week of hope to 59769. And you will see just all kinds of opportunities for you to join other new hopers this week in giving one hour. We think we should be serving 365. Can I get an amen? But week of hope is in a strategic week 
that calls you out of the grandstands, if you will, and invites you to get on the playing field of serving God, serving people, and destroying envy in your life. One more verse of scripture and I am done. It's a good one. Come on, why don't we read it out loud? Come on, Monday night, join us. Here we go. So clean house, make a clean sweep of malice and pretense, envy and hurtful talk. You've had a taste of God. Now, like infants at the breast, drink deep of God's pure kindness. Then you'll grow up mature and whole in God. Anybody here want to be mature and whole in God? I want you to notice that as you grow in maturity and wholeness and health, you destroy envy. Father God, thank you that my battery didn't die. It is at 1% right now. But God, even if it had, we know that you are a God who speaks through your people. I thank you for those who've gathered today with ears to see, eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that are open before you. God, I sense that there's probably some folks here who they're just eaten up with that green monster of envy. And yet, God, they're here because they want to be mature. They want to be whole. God, I just thank you for them. I thank you for every person within the sound of my voice. Father, we confess the sin of envy. We not only confess it, oh God, today we, we repent of it. We turn to you. We give you our lives today. And we ask you to give us discernment and insight and godly wisdom to spot it out, oh God. To spot it out in our own lives. To root it out, God, by the truths that we've studied in scriptures today. Make us healthy. Make us whole. Mature us in your son, Jesus, that he might get all the glory in our story, oh God, and in the story of new hope. To this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks, church.